Welcome to Try This at Home with Leslie and Leslin, a podcast that offers you tips and tricks for solving problems, increasing happiness, and creating a better life. Hi, this is Leslin from Try This at Home. I'm sure you're familiar with the phrase, you don't know what you don't know, and many of us accept it as common knowledge. But do we really understand what that means? How do we learn what we don't know? Especially in regards to big concept type topics like the ones that have been in our social headlines lately. Today, Leslie and I are gonna tackle some sensitive issues and talk about how to learn what we don't know. So grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and listen in. Hi, Les. Hi. How are you? Mostly, I'm great, but I will say my heart is super heavy. Yeah. Hmm. And we are um, recording this on June 3rd. And so we've had about nine days of just significant heartbreak once again in our country and we really want to focus today and this was your idea i want to make sure we give you credit for this we want to focus today on how to learn what we don't know (laughs) because you and i we're just going to put it out there we're both white chicks and. You know, I started off by saying we don't know what we don't know. And I, and I, I really want to just tackle this for a minute. Because is as simple as it sounds, and it's kind of like a, well, no shit, Sherlock, right? It's, it's actually much deeper and more profound than that. Yeah. So let's, you know, I I don't know if you know this, but that saying is actually attributed to a um, 2002 speech at the Pentagon by Donald Rumsfeld. So I thought we'd share that with you. Listen to this. There are known knowns. There are things we know we know. We also know there are known unknowns. That is to say, we know there are some things we do not know. But there are also unknown unknowns. The ones we don't know, we don't know. (laughs) <laughs> so there you go. I had I had no idea that he said that. Probably because when he did say that, I was a senior in high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, it's this idea that we don't know what we don't know, and the way that for me there was this really a, this big epiphany. Um, and I know this sounds a little silly, but. When I really understood the the basis or the, I want to say the bigness, and I know that doesn't sound very intelligent, but like the bigness of this, the, that we don't know what we don't know, which means that we're, we kind of live blind, right? Yeah. And if I have an expectation of you, 
to behave in a particular way or to um, think a particular thing, but you have no experiential basis for this thing. You can imagine it, but you can't know it. Right. And so I don't, I, I don't even think there's an expectation that it can ever be known. Completely. For some things, for sure. You know, um, like, um, I, yeah, this is a weird thing, but you know, I have had the curiosity in the past and this might need to be psychoanalyzed. I don't know, but um, I have had the curiosity as a woman. I've been curious to know what it must be like to have a penis. <laughs> I know there's something in that probably. I don't know that I've ever thought about that. Um, other than I've thought about how it must be uncomfortable in pants. But. Precisely. That's my point. You know, is that I just can't imagine what it would be like. Now, when I've shared this with my partners from time to, you know, I, he would say, yeah, I can't imagine what it would be like to have boobs, you know, like those big old things smacking in your way every time you go to move your arms. And I'm like, exactly. So, but it's also kind of like if you try to explain blue to someone who is blind, they have a perception, but they don't have the ability to actually know what blue is not the way not the way that you do right and i think that this this is true no matter what you don't have an experiential basis for yes right yeah and and i think it's super apropos to what is happening in our culture right this minute in regards to black lives, what it's like to be a black person in our society and what white privilege is. Yeah. I had an interesting um, experience and I don't, again, this is, this is all, (laughs) this is all very new to me. And I, and I don't, not that racism is new to me, but to be honest, thinking about it this deeply and this critically is new to me because there has never been a time in my life um, where I can recall race ever being so heated. Now, perhaps when I was younger and ignorant to what was going on in the world, that might've been true, but certainly not in my adult life. And so when I say it's new to me, that's what I'm saying. I, I am willing to admit, I have never thought about race this much. Um, And it's, you know, kind of trite and a little silly, I think, to say, you know, I have black friends. I do. Of course I do. Um, And I don't consider myself to be a racist. Although in learning some things recently, I've discovered that there are definitely aspects of racism that I didn't even realize were considered racist. And I need to look into that more. Yeah. But one, one thing that I came across recently that kind of shook me because um, I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of learning, right. And just figuring stuff out that I don't know. And 
I I saw something somewhere on Instagram or Facebook, and and someone posted um, and they said, you know, it's not a it's not a black person's responsibility to teach white people about race, and that freaked me out. Yeah, it freaked me out because. To be honest, that's been my go-to. And I'm not just talking about my go-to when I have questions about um, race or blackness because I have neighbors whom I love dearly. And when I do have questions in the past about that, I go straight over there. They're my go-to people. And I know they love me and they know me. And so it's never been an issue. And I, I ha- I, But I was mostly thinking about... Um, when I moved here to Pennsylvania, I had never lived in Amish, in Amish cultural like area before. And so everything that I knew about the Amish was just, you know, the stereotypical things that you would hear that anyone would know. And I have a friend who started cleaning our house for us right when we moved here. And she's Amish. Now, she's one of my dearest friends here now. And um, we'll hang out just to hang out, which, you know, is sometimes interesting as well because I'll go into a store with her and I feel the eyes on me. It is weird for people to see an Amish girl and an English girl just yucking it up in the Target like this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I have asked Susie probably almost every other week for the last almost nine years, something about Amish culture or what it's like to be Amish or do Amish really do this? Or one time I heard Amish do this. Is this true? And I have had no filter when I've asked her this, by the way. Now, <laughs> we're very close. And I have asked her many, 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 many things. And never once did I stop to think, oh, maybe this isn't her job to answer my question. I just asked them. And maybe right. that's my privilege showing through. I don't know. But it scares me to think I can't ask. Well, and that's the thing is how else do we do we discover if we don't ask? Um, and I think my first impression is is that that response, it's not my responsibility to teach you, is a defensive response. And well, I don't know. Actually, wasn't I? Don't I really wish that I had had figured out who wrote this. I kind of think it was a white person saying it's not their their meaning people of color. It's not their job to educate you. So I don't even know if this is (sighs) how people of color feel. And I need to I need to learn more about that. Well, you know, when you initially told me that. I called a black friend of mine and I said, you know, is this the way you feel? I'm so sorry if I've ever insulted you because that's, I, my goal is always to learn so that I don't insult you. And he said, no, of course not. He said, how else would you know? And so if it, you know, what I want to say is if that was a white person, that really pisses me off because that's, that's a perfect example of making an assumption from your point of view. Right. Right. If, if there is no other way to learn, 
than to listen and to hear the experience and to not judge it, but to put it into um, the data bank and say, okay, that's a perspective that I'm un unfamiliar with. And then you massage it the same damn way we would do with any other problem. If you are two white people who grew up in different parts of the country, you probably have two different ideas about parenting. The only way that you come to a consensus about how you're going to parent your kids is to listen to each other. And I don't understand, I truly don't understand why this Last is there. such a missed issue. We have to listen. And it's incredibly sad to me, so deeply sad, that there is so much pain on the part of everybody, actually. But I think what I think is happening is I think what I know for sure is that people who are in pain have a difficult time listening. And so we need to step out of our pain and listen. And, and some people may say, well, what is a white person's pain? Well, I think if I'm being honest, a white person's pain is fear of what they don't know. It's a fear of this stereotype of an inner city black person. I think it's a fear of, um, you know, for a lot of people, I think it's a fear of being overrun. And it's kind of like this, what I mean by that is there's, I think, a generational fear or like an embedded um, attitude of losing something, right? When the slaves were freed, the people lost something. White people lost something. And I think the fear of losing something has almost been embedded into the genes of those people. And because they're afraid, they can't listen. Yeah, I think people are afraid to just admit that they're wrong or that yeah. they it's embarrassing and it's embarrassing to you know go your whole life and and think well I'm you know I'm not a racist person I love all people I you know I don't behave like those horror stories like that Amy Cooper in the park which is just ugh that's just disgusting I would never behave like that so I'm okay. I'm not like that. But then again, when you start to take this deep dive, you realize, well, maybe there are like things hidden in corners and you don't realize it. And that's part of it. No, you're not overtly racist. And no, you're not as bad as some people, but maybe it's the little things that are hidden that, you know, Precisely. And, and that's what I mean by we don't know what we don't know. 
right? And so, and I want to say that for all people, literally all people, if we could stop and sit back from our fear. Now let's, let's talk about Amy Cooper for a minute, because if we take out for a second, and I, and I, I don't want to be offensive to anybody, but I want to take out just for a second that there was a black man asking her to put her dog on a leash, right? Let's just say for a second that she was walking in the park and she came across a, a, a pit bull. And when she was a little girl, she had been um, bitten by a pit bull. She might have gotten up on a park bench and said, oh, my God, help. There's a pit bull here. I'm getting attacked by a pit bull, blah, 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 blah. Um, The reason that she was afraid is because she had a bad experience with, with another dog who looked like the dog she was um, and I am not comparing a person to a dog. I'm sitting here saying, please don't misconstrue my intention in this example. Um, she was applying all of her prior experiences to this one moment in time when it didn't have anything to do with this moment in time, right? And maybe I'm not defending the way she behaved. I want to make it really clear. <laughs> But I'm saying that maybe she had a fear that she was unconscious of. And I'm not even, you know, and she reacted. She allowed all of that fear to flood the moment when this poor, innocent man just asked a simple question. Right. Well, yeah, he was he was following the rules in that era. You have to keep your dog on a leash. She was wrong. He was right. and she you know she knew it, i i see what you're saying about possibly having some like you know fear or whatever that she didn't understand or didn't realize was there but it's clear that in the moment she did know how to wield her power to get him into a position of inferiority because she threatened, I'm going to tell them a black man is threatening me. Yes. Yes. Listen, she was wrong from beginning to end. I am not arguing that point, And I'm not defending her. Because ultimately what I'm saying, as a psychotherapist, I'm trying to take this really objective approach to understanding why do people behave the way people behave, right? And what I am saying or postulating is that she didn't know what she didn't know. She didn't, there was an underlying, I am scared of black men in parks. Right. And I don't think she really knew that she had an underlying base fear of black men in parks. And in that moment, what she did was she took the only weapon she was was aware of. Right. And she used it. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I have to think that, you know, if she came in that exact same situation and there was a white guy there, said, put your dog on a leash. A leash, and you know, she clearly thought she was above the rules because she had her dog off the leash. 
you know, she probably would have been like, you know, Dick, leave me alone or something, you know, like mm-hmm. she, she wouldn't have freaked out and resorted to the things that she did because it wouldn't have been at her disposal. It simply wouldn't have been at her disposal. Right. Um, yeah, because she probably, yeah, she probably didn't have, she probably doesn't have the same underlying fear. You know, I, when I was growing up, I was taught to be afraid of motorcycle gangs. Okay. And, when, and I'm serious. I was warned to stay away from them. I, um, in the headlines all the time, they were talking about gang riots in the San Francisco area. I was a teenager back then. And um, motorcycle gangs represented danger to me. Right. Now, today, I have to actively calm myself if I'm at a stoplight and a bunch of tatted, leather-wearing biker dudes pull up alongside of me. My, what I learned drives fear. So, number one, I'm aware that that's what's happening because I took the time to learn about why I feel the way I feel. Yeah. Number two, I learned that that was then and this is now. And I don't react today. I don't see them the way my parents saw them and taught me to see them. I see them as just another dudes who are doing what they love to do. Right. I don't, I, and I think that's what I'm asking and what we're trying to say to everybody, pay attention and see people, see the person first, the human being, see that first. Right. If she had said, sir, I don't know you and I feel afraid. Please back away. Maybe he would have done that. Maybe, you know, maybe he would have said that chick is a bitch. She's not following the rules. I'm going to get out of here. Right. Right. I mean, he was a board watcher for his sake. Like, in my mind, is there a more kind (laughs) person? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I think self-awareness is so important. You must learn what you don't know you must use your body as a barometer for the fear that sits there and motivates behavior if we if i could if i could encourage everybody to do that it will help you that's the the crux that's the basis of what we need to learn right one of the things that i um well, there's two things. I had an experience last year, um, and I, I don't really want to get into the specifics of it because it's long and it's complicated, and it was very traumatic to me. But um, there was a, a misunderstanding between a person who was 
uh, acting as a representative of my company. And something that that person had posted online six months prior to being a representative of my company. And another person who um, was closely related as a, a customer went digging and found this thing that this person posted and was very, very mad because there was something on it that could have been construed as racism. And they came to me and said, if you don't deal with this, you know, they were basically threatening to ruin my business, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, I just, (laughs) this is a lot. Like, first of all, this is a lot for me to take in. Um, And so I went, I went to the offender and I said, hey, look, you have this up. What's up with that? Like, you can't, this is not cool. You need to take this down. This is, can, you know, people can look at this and, and really get the wrong idea. And the person said, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that that's what was going on with this. I shared it for a different reason. Holy cow, I'm taking it down right now. I hope you know I would never do anything like that. Um, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. So immediately mm-hmm. took it down. I, by the way, if you if you come to the person, <laughs> the offender, and you bring it up like that, and they immediately apologize and take something down, that's a pretty great outcome as far as that. Absolutely. That's a pretty great outcome. I was thrilled with that. You know what that reminds me of? Yesterday on my personal Facebook page, I posted, there was a rally in D.C. And I believe it was a, I don't know exactly, but I, it appeared to me to be a, like a white supremacist group doing a rally. And there were protesters um, who were predominantly African-American. And the person on stage, the, the, um, Shoot. The, um, what did I just say? Who was who? activist? Yeah, the activist that was on stage um, invited one of the protesters up on stage and said, "You have two minutes to give your message because free speech is available to everyone." And so the protester got on stage for two minutes, and he was basically just saying. We're not the enemy here. You know, we want the same thing you want, blah, blah, blah. And, the, and then both groups came together. Yeah. And it, it literally brought tears to my eyes because, and I feel myself getting so emotional, because people took the time to freaking listen. Yeah. Well, it turned out a little di- that story turned out a little different for me. So I, I went to the girl and said, okay, here's what happened. She said she's sorry. She took it down. You know, I can't look. I run a two-person company. Okay, it's me and one person who works part time. I cannot be the internet police for everything everyone says or does in the past and in the future if they want to share something related to planners. I cannot do that. It is absolutely asking too much of me. So the person was not satisfied. Said, "Nope, you need to." rid yourself of them. They cannot be associated with you anymore. And if you don't do that, I'm doing, you know, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. So I went and I said, okay, this is out of hand. I went to my neighbor and I said, Hey, I got to talk to you about this. 
And, you know, I, I talked to her and said, look, here's what went down. Here's the thing. And she goes, oh, that, that's what the white person got upset about. And I said, yes, they said, it's racist. She goes, that's not racist. She goes, no, 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 Mm -mm. That's not what that means. No. You know, I think, so here's the therapist. Okay. The therapist is talking now. I think that we're in this space where racism may exist on a um a spectrum for some people and i think one of the reasons that we keep getting into trouble with this is because we haven't nailed down the first and the biggest obstacle and that is that all lives matter only if Black lives also matter. And not just, I mean, it is all lives. Of course it's all lives. But we're not treating everybody equally. So we can't say all lives matter if we don't feed everybody at the table. You know, if we don't treat everybody the same. And I... I just want to give a shout out that I think the majority, I think it's getting better. I've, I've been told by black people that they, and I've heard black people say that it's getting better. We're not where we were in 1950. Um, but it's not getting better fast enough. It's not equal. It's not equal. It, and frankly, it's not equal for men and women. White men still prevail. In, in all corners of our country. And, and it's not equal. And so all lives matter when it's equal across every gender, every sexuality, every race. Yeah. Um, and it's, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, speaking of your men and women example, you want to hear something funny? Um, I got an invitation to a women in business luncheon, women in business, let me reiterate that, where the women in business were going to learn how to make a meal for their family in 30 minutes or less. <laughs> I, I don't really even know what to say to that other than I hope to God the men in business group are going to learn how to mow the lawn at their next meeting. Well, I'd be happy if the men in business group knew how to make a meal for their family in 30 minutes or less. I mean, honestly, see, if you're going to have apples to apples, you have to give the same, the same topic to both groups. Right. Right. Uh, it's that's the problem and it's and and we can't fix any of it until we until we are really aware of the of how we individually treat men and women different black and white different gay and straight different we cannot change until that fundamental piece changes. 
it has to start there. The conversation can't be about how, you know, is this racist or is that racist until we start by acknowledging that we're all human beings. We all are just simply human beings who deserve the same thing. Right. Yeah. And another, I just want to share one other thing. Um, you know, we, we talked about this, about when we were talking about truth, like getting different sources and things. And the one thing that I have learned in the last few days of listening and researching is that we cannot lump everyone together, everyone meaning every person of color, as feeling the same way on the topic of race and racism. And I have had different people say completely opposite things. And, you know, it's not like, oh my gosh, one of them is wrong. It's that how in the world could we ever <laughs> think that there's one magic fix to this problem? Different people have different experiences. And so different remedies feel good or feel bad to different people. And it's important to, you know, to look in different places and try to, you know, recognize that there's, there's many ways to solve this problem. But Certainly lumping all black people together is not going to be good. <laughs> it it will move to once. Lumping all anything together isn't good. It's and I I hear I've been I've been listening with a therapist's ear to as many points of view as I possibly can. And what I see overwhelmingly is hurt and pain on all fronts and only hurt people hurt people i am telling you that is a universal truth there are very few maybe a, a thousandth of a percent of um, in terms of the entire population of people who are um, sociopathic and will hurt people just because. Right. That's not the, that's not in any way, even a, a significant minority, right? Only hurt people, hurt people. If people are hurting somebody, they're in pain and we need to sit down and learn what the pain is so that we can be empathetic and compassionate. I come from the perspective that most of us are born with kind hearts and we learn everything else. Yeah. So we must learn first what we don't know about ourselves. Right. Then we must learn what we don't know about each other. Yeah, but in every counseling session I do with a couple, I talk about self-mastery being the first key to a healthy relationship. Right, right. So we have a couple books to suggest, and I have a I have a surprise for Leslie. Ooh. By the way. Um, yeah. So the books are The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. I have read that and loved it. Um, the next book is Picking Cotton, which I am suggesting, and I read this about a decade ago. 
And Leslie, you can read it because it should probably be on your doorstep tomorrow. You know what? I'm going to pay it forward. And after I read it, I will donate it to the first person who reaches out to us on social media. I will um, pay it forward. I will read it first and then I will pay it forward. So make sure you you reach out to us on social media. Yeah, it's an amazing, amazing, amazing book, and it gives so much hope for redemption. Um, It's just, oh my gosh, can't say enough good things about it. It's wonderful. And then the other book that I have not read, but I want to read, so I encourage you guys to read it with me. Um, Many of my uh, friends have suggested this, my Black friends have suggested that I read White Fragility. So I am going to commit to reading that. Um, and I'm passing that along cool. well, as a suggestion I, from them. You know, I, what I'd like to do is maybe go ahead and have another book review next month after we both read this. And, you know, the, the essence of this podcast is to try what we talk about at home, to grow your life, to, to become your best self. And, as one white person to another, and I and I suspect that a good majority of our listeners, I suspect that a good majority of our listeners are like-minded and probably very much like us in, in their uh, demographics. I would like to continue this conversation so that we can raise awareness of what we don't know. Um, in in as many possible ways as we can, whether it's this particular topic of race, uh, whether it's our um, biases of other areas, the goal of Try This at Home is to become your best self, and we can't be our best self if we stay unaware. So that is our Try This at Home this week. Um, in addition to, I want to strongly recommend that you extend kindness in the world to all people. Um, I'm sure that many of you do already. And that's our discussion for today. We hope that you will share this far and wide and let it be the stimulus of good conversation in your home. Next week, we are going to talk about negativity. And I think that's a very apropos discussion. So until then, this is Leslie and Leslyn hoping you will try this at home. All perspectives and opinions expressed during this podcast are for educational and informational purposes only. There is no direct or indirect intention to provide psychotherapy or mental health services. If you are seeking counsel for individual circumstances, please consult with a local health professional.